1: 2020 bringing a biblical perspective on life culture and current events weekdays on ucb's vision radio network find out more at vision.org.au
2: our special guest through the hour is dr sam hay sam is australia's expert on mega churches he teaches history theology sociology and uh, and uh, he's at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. We're going to talk about change today. Change is pervasive and constant in our fast-paced society. As a result, one of the deep challenges for the church is how to renew itself. It's one of the big challenges for Christians too in the way we adapt our thinking, how to renew uh, in the culture and in the society that surrounds us. Well, Sam Hay is seeking to identify some of the major transitions that are taking place in churches and in societies and proposes ways in which Christians can establish Christ-centered congregations and ministries which are relevant to the culture and to society. Well, Sam wrote his PhD on mega churches and a book on mega churches in australia he teaches history theology and sociology at christian heritage college he's based in brisbane he's a scholar who's looked at the changes in australian society and how churches have responded so you can be a part of our conversation today One eight hundred. is our number as we welcome Sam. Hey, hello Sam. Hello Neil it's good to be with you again today. Well Sam, uh, we've spoken a number of times over the years now and uh, on all sorts of different topics but this is one that specifically is an area of interest of yours and that is changing society and the way churches and Christians are responding to that. When we think about the change in society and we say well this is the thing that's constant the, the, the constant thing is that everything's changed How significant is it if change gets away from us?
0: I think uh, when you see some churches decline in numbers and others uh, uh, do better and grow, you realise how important it is to be able to read the signs around and respond well to them. There is a term used in theology called contextual theology, which reminds us the context in which we live is always important to the way we do uh, theology. And that's true of mission as well and true of our Christian walk. We need to recognise the context, the place that we're in, and the changes that we are needing to respond to to if we're going to respond well to them and of course the next generation is always going to be uh,
2: paramount in the way we think about the things that are changing now because some things are changing for the good other things are changing for the worse uh, the next generation will have to live
0: with the changes we allow to happen today certainly every church is very generational in that it only lasts as long as it is able to pass on its beliefs its faith to the next generation and that's been one of the real challenges i over the last hundred years is that the generations have moved on, taken on new interests, they've uh, taken on new ways of interacting with society, viewing society, and churches haven't always been that fast of responding. I remember when some churches down the road from us were still doing some services in Latin and uh, um, other churches were uh, moving on to uh, bringing out uh, guitars and drums and uh, those churches that didn't respond uh, so quickly, they were the ones that found it harder to adapt to the younger generation Interest. Let's just pause and reflect on this for a moment. Uh, slow to change is
2: this sort of a general impression that we should have for uh, for a lot of church. It's it's hard to generalise, I know. But is is there a sense in which Christians are slow to change, or are there some who are setting a pace and others not? But uh, tell me about pace, uh, slow, or or are we adjusting along with the society? Is society changing so fast we
0: can't keep up with it? I think we don't always have to rush into change but we do have to be aware of the change and we have to evaluate uh, the reasons why we stay uh, with the older traditions that we want to keep central, such as our focus on the Bible, focus on Jesus, focus on God. But we have to realize we're living in an ever-increasing, speeding world in terms of change. And uh, churches have been slow to change. Sometimes they haven't had the resources to quickly adapt and change to new media, new opportunities. Uh, sometimes um, uh, they've had older Congregations that they've wanted to protect and look after, and they've been slow to adapt to the needs of younger people. So I think there is um, uh, a good point that you make that churches are often slow to change. Not that we want to be changing too quickly without thinking about what we're doing, but we do need to be aware of the changes occurring. I note that you say
2: that there is something innate in us that we we feel the needs uh, it's like human nature or is this something that is part of being made in the image of God that that we actually want to see things develop we want to see things change and I guess depending on whether you've got a a vision to serve God and uh, to do things righteously, or you don't have any vision about God at all and uh, nothing else matters, you're sort of in an area of amorality and uh, you want things to change for the worse. Uh, there is a, there's an issue, isn't there, with people who call themselves progressive? Uh, there are people, there are political parties that say we are progressive, but there's a question about whether progress actually takes us to a better place or whether we actually are uh, going to be worse off if those sorts of changes happen. What about this sort of issue? Is there
0: something, there's in something in human nature that we just desperately want to change everything? I think built within our DNA, built within the human person is a sense that they want to be worthwhile, they want to contribute to society, they want to do something significant and one of the ways in which people find significance is being radically different to everyone else and uh, I think you touch on an important point there. We don't want to just be different and progressive uh, to look as though we are significant. We want to be genuinely, authentically significant. We need to ask, are these changes for good? Are these changes for the better, and how can we contribute in positive ways to these changes? Okay,
2: let's talk about some of the major social changes of our time. And uh, just when you might be thinking you're going to pick up on particular issues, uh, we're talking probably bigger picture stuff uh, when we talk about some of the major social changes, things like, uh, you know, socio-demographics, uh you know not to scare everybody off with uh, with big words here but you like to uh, uh to uh take time to think through what these issues are all about, the generational changes that we're going through, the fact that people move from the country to the cities, those sorts of suburbanization issues and pluralism, the fact that there are so many different strands of, of faith within Christianity and of course other world religions and we're all living in a society where together we somehow or other need to work out how we get on and there's a whole lot more but when we talk about some of these, uh, these big issues, what one stands out for you as, as the big challenges that we're facing when it comes to change in our society.
0: Certainly the biggest change of the last hundred years is pluralism. That is, a hundred years ago, uh, nations tended to keep to themselves. There was one national church. There was one national sense of identity. But in the last 50 years or so, trade and uh, movement demographically, aircraft travel, all of these things have increased uh, our awareness of pluralism. And uh, migration has also increased the awareness of pluralism. And so each denomination now is not just one denomination. There might be ten denominations within that denomination. And with that has come an increased realization of the importance of tolerance, increased realization of the the importance of communication, realization of the importance of the state in allowing diversity, pluralist communities to live well together. The challenge for us is to keep true to our faith, keep true uh, to the core things that we value in the midst of pluralization, and to realize the dangers of uh, taking up arms against an. Another group is going to create more problems than it's going to solve. We've got to find healthy ways of interacting with the diversity in this pluralist world. I mean, when we
2: talk about these things, we can recognise just how complex the changes are that are taking place. But when we say, Sam, uh, what about little old me, an individual perhaps uh, part of a family. Sometimes it's not always a really great functioning family. Sometimes it's a dysfunctional family. You're in a community. uh, You've got a church that you're a part of. Maybe it's not the ideal church in the world, but it might be the only one in your community or the closest one to you, and, and you know you're a part of it. And all these changes are happening, and it can be almost like it's overwhelming, this overwhelming sense that everything's changing. And here am I, and I call myself a biblical Christian. Where do I fit in
0: all of this? I think we need to realise that we're all built for community and relationship with others. So the challenge in life, I think, is to know that you've got good people who have similar beliefs to you around, and so it's important to build community. I'm reminded of a book that I read a while back called uh, Bowling Alone uh, by Robert Putnam, in which he observed that many people at the bowling alley were now bowling as individuals on their own with no one around. And this got him quite concerned and quite worried, and he did a bit of research, and he discovered that that all sorts of organisations were having trouble, including the churches, the PNFs. Um, Every organisation in society was finding that people were doing things as individuals, not with others. And uh, that has all sorts of uh, challenges and problems. If you want to do life as a loner, then you're going to find uh, a lot of difficulties in life because we've been built for community we are by nature a communal people uh, they use the term amago day to describe we're made in the image of god and uh, relational trinity to describe god as a trinitarian being in relationship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he's made us relational in his image. So I think if we lose that relationality, lose that sense of community around us, then we're going to find life very hard to do alone. Okay, this individualism
2: that you're talking about, this is very pervasive in society, and uh, the idea that uh, if I've got a good job, a good pay packet coming in, uh, that somehow or other I don't need the supports that others might rely on when it comes to welfare or charity. I might not need the sort of counselling, the oversight to my marriage, uh, the parenting uh, ideas that people might contribute to me. What you're saying is this individualism has some big, big downsides to it, but individualism is very big in Australian society, isn't it?
0: Yes, and I'm not uh, overly concerned about Individualism, if it's combined with community, combined with responsibility and interaction with others. I think individualism alone, where I'm my own God, I'm the only one I'm accountable to, has all sorts of, uh, problems. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his uh, letters from prison said that individualism has some benefits for humanity where it leads people to become accountable to take up responsibility in their lives and where it's combined with communal recognition that we are uh, made to relate to others, to serve others, to interact with others, then individualism can become responsible individualism. I think the great danger for individualism is when it becomes self-centred, self-focused and cuts us off from others. Let me ask
2: you about individualism, because how did we get this pervasive sense of individualism? Is it because uh, over the last hundred years, there has been something of a decline in churches? uh, Because uh, thinking back to the 1920s, in the 1920s, everybody in Australia was Christian, or almost everybody, uh, high 90 percentages as far as I'm aware, and uh, almost everybody went to church. There was a sense of community, and as people have fallen away from church, is this Part of the way
0: that individualism has risen? I think there was a breakaway from uh, community with Martin Luther's uh, Reformation. That is, sometimes community can be too restrictive, particularly if people don't read and write and they simply blindly follow what authorities are saying. So I think Martin Luther is one of those who pushed for individualism combined with accountability, combined with community, combined with a lot of other positive developments like education. And in our own time, from the 1950s with an emphasis on community, there has also been a movement towards uh, opportunity for individualism, individual expression. But again, uh, initially this was seen as taking responsibility and accountability, and I think it then led later to self-centeredness, self-focusedness, which is individualism gone wrong, individualism out of control instead of individualism that leads to maturity and growth. Tell me, Sam, your thoughts on being a biblical Christian and
2: uh, with the changes and things going on, uh, we're talking about individualism. There's a whole bunch of other uh, topics that we'll move into as well. But as a biblical Christian trying to navigate uh, with the changes that are happening in society today, uh, how do you glean from the Bible uh, those things that are important for us, when you talk about being in community and those sorts of things, and there's biblical teaching about those things, those things, do they become more prominent in the way we need to understand who we are as Christians, as individuals and Christians who are a
0: part of a, a community, a body, a church? certainly Jesus' emphasis on being responsible individuals challenged traditions of his day in terms of Phariseeism and other traditions and I don't believe Jesus was saying all traditions are wrong but rather that certain narrow Pharisaic traditions that focused on a narrow set of external behaviors as opposed to individual internal transformation that is something to be watched out for and I think today as we read scripture we're reminded of importance of not just being externally um, looking good on the outside but we need to be individually transformed on the inside and then make a difference in our world and we need to get together with others and re-establish community who can make a difference in our world. Well we're opening the back lines
2: 1-800-880-876 if you'd like to be a part of our conversation today We're going to start to talk about some of the ways in which the Church might have lost some of its influence that's lost its grip on some of those areas in our society that may well have led to some of the changes we are seeing today, you can be a part of our conversation. would love to hear from you. 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876. Our talkback line is open. We're back with more. Sam Hay, Australia's expert on mega churches. We're talking about change in society and a changing and adapting church. Those conversation... Uh, issues ahead of us. Stay with us here on 2020. It's Neil Johnson with you. It's the Monday edition of 2020. Dr. Sam Hay is our guest. We're talking about change in society and the way that we as Christian believers uh, might respond to that change. Interestingly, Sam, we just heard an ad on the radio for the Freshwater Christian School there in Cairns and uh, a wonderful school. Uh, Christian schools, very Dynamic in Australian society, and I know you've got a specific uh, interest in when it comes to uh, issues of education and being uh, Australia's expert on mega churches you've got some uh, some ideas about how education uh, functions in all of that. Before we get into education though, tell me about uh, the different areas of influence that you need to have if you're going to be directing uh, and being influential in areas of
0: the way a society might evolve. I was reading uh, James Davidson Hunter's uh, 2010 book, To Change the World, in which he argued that um, all Christians can contribute to the change of the world, but they need to realize you don't do it alone. You've got to combine with others. You've got to uh, form movements that are going to be world transforming. And one of the ways in which um, the transformation of the world is sometimes described is in terms of seven mountains of influence that uh, control the society that we live in. Just as Rome was surrounded by seven mountains, there can be seven mountains that uh, influence the society. And one of the key ones is education. Before we start uh, unpacking
2: education, uh, Mm. if we talk about seven mountains of influence, uh, give us a quick little overview so we've got a context in which we're talking about how how you influence a society
0: that's changing so much the way we've been discussing. What are the seven mountains? Well, Bill Bright, founder of Crusade with Christ and Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a, a Mission, both had a similar vision that there are seven Primary institutions that influence and control our society. And they listed these seven um, as follows. Uh, Firstly, the family. They say central to what happens in the society is how people build their family. If you have healthy Christian families, then you have a healthy Christian society. Okay, and we know that there are attacks against the family
2: at this particular time. And there might be uh, listeners who might like to contribute. Uh, in our conversation
0: talking about those attacks on family Uh, what else in the seven Uh, certainly religion and ideology and so uh, the health of uh, the churches and uh, the health of their beliefs and the health of intergenerational transmission to the next generation is going to make uh, a big difference so churches and ideologies and how they're communicated okay Uh, what would the third one be and the third one is politics government and law that is if you've got a healthy political system uh, such as we have here in Australia with um, uh, openness and uh, uh, um, uh, democratic values. Yes, yep. all of those help to uh, contribute to a healthy society and Christians are contributing to a healthy um, political system here in Australia. And as I often say, uh, someone is legislating
2: morality, why not Christian morality, and of course that takes uh, the mass movement that
0: you were talking about a little earlier. That's three. What's number four? Uh, Number four is the financial institutions, business and trade. That is, if you've got Christians involved in a positive way in the business system, then funds are able to flow into Christian institutions. Is it fair enough to say, in a nutshell, if you lose
2: influence as a Christian in business institutions, then uh, you've got some level of... Uh, chaotic uh, corruption that may well uh, uh, be the end
0: point of, of no Christian ethics in business? Certainly Christian institutions need uh, finance to fund them, and uh, without a healthy financial system, then uh, that won't work. And we need uh, openness and transparency in order for the finances to work well. If corruption ties up all the finances in a limited number of pockets, then there won't be finances for healthy institutions. Uh, number five, Mountain, is education
2: and schools. We're going to come back to that and uh, enlarge on that a little bit. Uh, what's number six?
0: Uh, entertainment, humanities, uh, storytelling narratives. That is, what are the ways in which we tell stories? Who are the people who dominate the storytelling in our society, dominate the storytelling on our media? If we have Christians like C.S. Lewis and others um, who are giving us good Christian stories, then uh, that's important. And without that, we can lose uh, the value of storytelling. And number seven, media and communication. Here we are. Here we are uh, at UCB today, which is such an important uh, institution in communicating the Christian message. Now, let's come back to
2: this one we want to enlarge on, and uh, education and schools, an area I mentioned you have some special uh, emphasis in because uh, you are, in fact, uh, part of a Christian college called Christian Heritage College, uh, teaching in history and theology and sociology, uh, and the whole ethos of the college that you're working for is, in some respect, about Regaining a place of prominence for Christian
0: thought in academia. Enlarge a little bit on that. You're certainly, uh, Christian Heritage College uh, began uh, with about nine students uh, back in uh, the 1980s, and it's grown uh, since then to up towards a thousand uh, students in four faculties. Business is one, uh, social science is another, education and humanities is another, and uh, ministries, where I teach uh, theology, history, sociology, is also a four. And this is also... Uh, part of a reclaiming of tertiary education for Christians. And when we talk
2: about education overall, uh, I know uh, in Australia there's something like 9,500 schools in Australia and about roughly one-third of those are Christian schools. Uh, This is a significant phenomenon. And actually, if you think very carefully about that, uh, if you're one of these people that gets very uh, pessimistic about how the church is performing what's happening in Christian life in Australia, you could be uh, you could be changed fairly quickly because you can be very optimistic with the number of Christian schools and the influence that must be having on the thought and on the direction
0: for young people coming through those institutions. Yes, the number of Christian schools in Australia certainly has grown quite dramatically from uh, around 20% back in the 1970s to 39% of young people now are going to Christian and private schools. So we are winning on that mountain to a fair extent. But
2: as you say, uh, because you're working basically in a Christian university, uh, mm. but there are not as many Christian universities, lots of Christian schools, but not as many Christian
0: universities. Uh, or am I wrong? Uh, certainly the number of Christian universities is growing in places. Uh, only recently I visited Fremantle, where about 20 or so years ago, um uh, Christians over there, particularly in the Catholic tradition, were very concerned that there was only secular tertiary education about. And so they went to Fremantle and they started buying some buildings. They've purchased something like uh, 30-something buildings, including seven pubs, that they've turned into a Christian university with over 5,000 tertiary students. And their aim is to make it biblical, Christ-centered. You're talking about Fremantle in the U.S.? uh, Fremantle in Western Australia. In Western Australia. Yes. Our very own Fremantle. Uh, it's, it's Notre Dame, again. Uh, Notre it's, Dame uh, University in Fremantle, Western Australia has uh, now won back that mountain in the Fremantle suburb and helped to transform that Fremantle suburb into a Christian village tertiary education um, setting. Well, there might be some yeah. listeners in Fremantle who might like to let us know how that
2: is all going. Our talkback line is open one eight hundred eighty eight 880 876 That's one 800 Eighty-eight zero eighty-seven six. tell us about Christian schools, uh, Bible colleges, Christian universities in your community. Are they making a difference? Have you been to one? Would you like to tell your story about the sort of effect that it had on you, that you were studying in uh, one of those uh, institutions? Sam Hay is our guest. Dr. Sam Hay, Australia's expert on mega churches. teaches history, theology and sociology at Christian Heritage College in Brisbane. We'll talk some more about education too as we go. Uh, the talkback line open, 1-800-880-876 to have your say.
1: Details at vision.org.au.
2: It's Neil with you. It's the Monday edition of 2020 and our talkback line is open one eight hundred eighty eight 880 876 If you'd like to contribute to our conversation, we're talking about the challenges of change, change in society and whether or not churches are keeping up whether or not Christians are keeping up with the changes. And, uh, Sam, if we were reflecting on ways that, uh, that Christians perhaps have not been keeping up with the changes and we were asking ourselves why that might be the case... We reflected on a few things a little earlier, but uh, uh, but what's the biggest biggest challenge? What's the biggest threat uh, in your mind if it
0: comes to the things that are changing in society and the church perhaps not being able to keep up? I think the biggest challenge is individualism leading to selfishness and self-focusedness. That is, people aren't contributing to the society as a whole, community as a whole, their churches as a whole. We live in a time when it's very easy just to look after yourself and forget about our uh, Others. And uh, so I think there's a real need for a push to get people more communally minded and more involved in their churches and every communal society.
2: Oh, well, let me talk about your uh, your area of expertise as Australia's expert on mega churches. Now, a mega church, as I understand it, is a church that has more than 2,000 members. Uh, mega churches are they faced with the same sorts of uh, challenges as as smaller churches are when it comes to people not contributing to the whole and making things happen or have they found something that's A key that enabled them to break through and to grow
0: and be, in some people's minds, successful. So, how did that work? I think mega churches same face the same uh, problem as ordinary churches, but on a mega scale. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) in that uh, um, people don't want to uh, get so involved at times in any church, and so in a mega church, you can come along and enjoy the sermon, enjoy the music, and not be so involved. Mega churches do have uh, large numbers of people attending home cells. They have large numbers of people. People involved in youth group. Uh, they have uh, mega numbers of volunteers, um, so they do have uh, a lot of people doing very positive things. But like all churches, they also have uh, other people who want to be free riders who coast along. <laughs> I'm always mindful when I talk to you about mega churches that. Uh you know, lots of
2: people listening in smaller communities around the country, and uh, and in their whole town they don't have as many people as some of these mega churches uh, have in just one single congregation. And and for some that's a little bit hard to even imagine what that actually looks like. But there are some very large churches in Australia. I, I suspect the largest church in Australia would be the
0: the Hillsong Church. Is that the is that the case? Yes, Hillsong's uh, often called a giga church in that it has over ten thousand uh, members, and certainly with those sorts of numbers that can produce professional resources, songs, media, which all of the body of Christ around Australia can benefit from, Uh, I think it's important to realise that we're all part of uh, a megachurch in one sense, the church in Australia, the church around the world, and yet we're all responsible to the small groups that we're a part of as well. And so I think it's important that we have both functioning well. I'm mindful of your research being,
2: uh, you know, focused on evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic type churches those seem to be the ones that became the mega churches or that are on their way to becoming mega churches uh, there are other churches and of course even if we bring the catholic church into there that uh, where catholic communities have sometimes mega church numbers too coming in for uh, you know for various worship uh, services there, there is a sense isn't there that uh, even congregations that might have 10 services across the weekend a
0: lot of people but it doesn't actually look like a mega church Yes, certainly um, uh, the very fast growing churches are often the experiential churches, those that have lively music, those that have uh, uh, lively uh, sermons that are focused on everyday uh, life. They tend to be the faster growing ones, uh, whereas the other church services that might still have a service in Latin and quieter or without musical accompaniment, they tend to have smaller numbers. And uh, not saying that um, uh, that is wrong either. I think we need a diversity of churches for the diversity of needs. But we also need to recognize that um, where the people are uh, looking for a certain level of uh, entertainment, then uh, there's some value in that. But we have to watch out that it doesn't all become entertainment, that we keep the substance, we keep the, the theology, we keep the core of our beliefs there as the center of our church experience and worship experience.
2: Let me ask you, though, is it enough just to have a Sunday church experience Uh, in order to actually address some of the big changes and challenges that are happening in society. Uh, Because uh, it's all very well to say, I'm a Christian, but if I don't have substance to my faith, how is that going to affect the outcomes? Whether I'm in business or uh, media, or you know, we mentioned those seven mountains a little earlier. Uh, what are the challenges uh, when you think of of like that? Because I guess you've got to do a little more than just sit in the pew on Sunday, or just be standing in the crowd, hands raised, and uh, in a time of praise and worship. Because for some people, experiential church is is like the ideal. But what about the substance?
0: I think certainly we need to be transformed in our inner lives uh, within and we can't just do that on Sunday Sunday is very important but it's important to have other times during the week when we meet with God in a quiet time in the Word of God, in prayer and with other people as well and so too our institutions need that life of God injected into them and I think every workplace needs to have opportunities for people to gather, to read God's Word together to pray together. When we see people transformed, institutions transformed, then we'll see our nation transformed. Well, we're inviting you to be part of our conversation. We're talking about change
2: in society and how, as a Christian and part of a local church in a community or in a suburb, in a city, how you might be a part of influencing the change that is upon us. Dr. Sam Hay is our guest. We're taking calls. 1-800-880-876 is our number. John is in Coburg in Melbourne. Hello, John. Welcome back to Twenty Twenty.
3: Oh, good. How are you going?
2: Very well. John, what's your contribution to our conversation here today?
3: Well, look, I think there's, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, that, I mean, our society's changed dramatically. I mean, you know, we were more forced to be in community before we had farms. It was, you know, it was completely like different world. It's like comparing an apple with a pear. I mean, today we've got, you know, uh, free hospitals, free, um, you know, welfare. Uh, People obviously are living longer. I mean, it's just like another society. People are more entertained than ever today. Everyone's got a car. People aren't starving in our society. People are fairly well well off. I mean, who wants to go to church in our society when there's a lot more? They can go on a beach house, get a speedboat, go to Thailand, go to Bali. I mean, people are entertained. I mean, and then you've got the hill songs that are just entertaining people anyway. They're just trying to compete with the world. I mean, it's it's so complex. It's not... I think um, we've got to see things clearly. I mean, the West is wealthy, rich, and people generally that are wealthy and rich, it's hard for them to, to want to seek you know, these Christian values. Okay, let's Biden.
2: hear from Sam. Sam, your thoughts on uh, on uh,
0: John's comments? Oh, I think John's spot on in, in terms of uh, the massive size of the changes that have taken place. Interesting, uh, as you mentioned, uh, John, hospitals were uh, started by Christians as a way of showing hospitality, caring people. I was in Belgium at one stage and saw some of the medieval hospitals which were built around uh, the chapel and uh, also built around the altar and sharing of communion. Uh, John, you also mentioned uh, living longer and we see churches uh, very much involved in uh, old people's homes contributing uh, there and and you mentioned um, uh, entertainment and uh, won't people just be happy with that I I don't think people are I I think people have a spiritual core and they do cry out for an answer to the spiritual needs as well and I think that's where churches uh, are certainly meeting that need and I think the churches do need to remember that unless their message is biblically centred, Christ centred, God centred Meeting that spiritual need, um, then uh, um, that we 're not going to see uh, people responding coming along and, and I think fortunately, our churches are focused on uh, Jesus and God, and I think the mega churches fortunately are very much focused on Jesus and God, um, and that 's one of the reasons people do uh, go to mega churches is because they want to have an experience of God touching their lives, bringing them into salvation, changing them for good.
2: John from Coburg thanks so much for being part of 2020 today let's hear another uh, listener Robin is in Mount Morgan in Queensland hello Robin yes hello Robin what's your um, contribution
4: well um I am um, talking about um, what's wrong in well not so much what's wrong in churches but what is not meeting um, some of the needs of today and I'm always harping on this because um, i've been through it myself um, You mentioned traditionalism in churches, Pharisees and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, And I've found so many, many times um, churches, when when people come to them with really bad hurts, really hurting people, and they're being told just glibly, you know, you must forgive, you must this, you must whatever. And um, I feel that there's something really, really neglected there. And um, because... The changes in society are producing more broken people. There's so many, uh, single parents out there, um, multiple partners for, um, you know, for these children that are lost in amongst that. And, um, when, when you go to counselling for most of these churches, um, well, Sam, I think his name is, is yep. it's Sam. Yep. He mentioned, um, something about being self-centered. Uh, a lot of people are self-centered. Well, but when you're really, really hurting, You can't think of anything else but yourself. If you've got a really bad toothache, you just want help. And so people are going to churches for help, and they're being told, as soon as you mention somebody's name that hurt you or whatever like that, they they just zero in on that. But I'm I'm saying that the problems start right in the foundation for these children. If you have a look at anything else in society, buildings, um, you know, lot of things civil engineering whatever like that they have to get the foundation so right. even education if you don't get a firm foundation you can't build on top and okay so I... let's
2: let's hear from Sam on uh,
0: on some of those points that you're making there Robin Yes, yes, certainly, Robin. I, I thought you said it very, very well when you said changes in society are producing more broken people, hurting people, and I agree. I think there's a huge number of uh, broken families, uh, broken people, and uh, as Robert Putnam said in his book we quoted before on bowling alone, um, the churches may be seeing decline, but the churches are also the answer to people's needs. That is, yes. churches are a place where people gather who are wanting to care for others. They're wanting to bring the love of god the love of christ the life of christ to others so i think churches certainly are a place for solving some of these needs and robin
2: yeah. you were talking about uh, selfishness and you're saying people who are coming to church broken well they're coming because of a selfish uh, need uh-huh. uh, yeah. but they can't be greeted by someone who has their own selfishness it's got to be someone who is selfless uh, in yeah. that demonstrated uh, christian model uh, sam your thoughts on selfishness and selflessness
0: yeah, and selfless people with an empathy who have a sympathy. And I, I think that's one of the challenges of uh, life today is uh, when we've gone through some challenges um, and we're able to uh, show care and compassion with others, that's what churches should be about. So I I think churches are bright lights in a dark um, country and dark times, and uh, we need more of that light shining. Uh, yeah. Should we be hard
2: on churches, though? And, uh, Robin, I, I detect there's a little bit of a... Uh, a hardness there towards those churches that are not being empathetic, not being sympathetic?
4: I think because um, some of the cliches, apart from you must forgive, is forget the past. I mean, the number of times I've been told that, and yet it was God that brought up my past, because I had no idea why I was in so much pain. I had no idea. I didn't know where to start. And God gradually showed me um, memories from the past. And once I understood that what happened back there from an adult point of view, I was set free. And yet churches, when hurting people go to counselling in churches, very often they're told, you've got to forget the past, just move on. They can't move on because they're still in pain and they don't even know why. And most of those um, problems start in early childhood when a child doesn't understand the world. He doesn't understand that it wasn't their fault that, that their whole family fell apart or or this or that. They tend to blame themselves and they don't even know and when you get into adulthood you have all sorts of problems with relationships and everything else and you don't even understand why and the church, very often people in the churches are to accuse them and say stop being self-centered and think of somebody else for a change. But well, they
2: are when they're hurting... I'd like to hear Sam's heartbeat on this. And I know you won't be able to necessarily uh, be shedding light on specifics of, of people coming with certain hurts. But but certainly when you talk about learning from a very young age, we have seen in Australia a really big decline in the number of children who attend Sunday school. And I'm, I'm interested in Sam's perspective when it, on this issue that you're talking about, Robin, here. Uh, Sam, Sunday school, it's been in decline. A lot of, a lot of churches don't even have a, a children's ministry. Uh, how are we going to learn these things right from the foundations of our life if we don't have a, a
0: reach out to children? Yeah, I think we need new innovative ways of uh, bringing um, Sunday school back, uh, new and innovative ways of running buses around and bringing people in. Uh, we need the resources to support these well. And one of the things we've seen in the mega churches in my study is uh, the resources have been going into youth movements, children's movements, and training and making more professional young people available and going into schools as chaplains. Uh, one of the things that's uh, been very pleasing in the last years has been the professional training that's gone into chaplains going into schools so that they're able to uh, not so much give glib, hasty answers, but they're able to sympathize with the challenges people going through. They're trained to meet the needs of young people and uh, pastors, too, who were trained um, to meet the needs of uh, those who are facing challenges in life. I think all of that's a very important uh, contribution that churches can make.
2: Robin from Mount Morgan in Queensland, Robin thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. We'll come back and we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments our talkback line still open 1800 880 876 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today. Dr Sam Hay is our guest we're talking about change in society and how well the church is adjusting and what the church has to do to be an influence on the changes that are happening. Sam is Australia's expert on mega churches, he teaches history, theology and so sociology at the christian heritage college in brisbane we're back with more in just a few moments
0: 2020
2: it's neil with you on 2020 our special guest this hour dr sam hay australia's expert on mega churches and talking through changes in society and the way that christians and the church adapt we are taking your calls 1-800-880-876 if you'd like to be part of our conversation let's hear from tracy in adelaide hello tracy hi tracy what's your contribution to our conversation today
1: um, just going on my experience, um, I ended up in a very low place at one point. I used to say that um, my spiritual gift was encouragement. Um, going to a church, for, I went for, for, for a, for a, to a particular one for about 12 years and it was the loneliest experience of my life. Um, I'm just listening to the last uh, lady that was speaking about, um, you know, pain and everything. Right. I didn't have the specific uh, same problem of past pains and everything, but um, I, would, I still went through a terrible valley and a, what I call a wilderness experience. Um, what I found is, I used, as I said, I used to feel that my spiritual gift was encouragement. Now, going through that valley, I felt like God would never use me again, and I certainly didn't tell anybody that I felt that that was my spiritual gift because I wasn't, I wasn't displaying it because I was so desperately lonely. Um, I felt that, and I still sort of feel that churches aren't, um, they're not a, a spiritual, they don't seem, now this is a generalisation, but there's not as much of a spiritual emphasis with fellowship. Uh, I don't believe as they used to be.
2: Okay, um, it's, that it's might so... be reflective of what uh, Sam's been talking about too. This idea of individualism—the not, you know, mm-hmm. feeling like we don't need uh, that fellowship. Anyway, we'll need to be quick here, uh, okay. Tracy. Um,
1: I feel that it's sort of more um, human, uh, more human based rather than spiritually based, and therefore, uh, regarding hurting people, um, we're not sort of um, seeing them as, as spiritual. We're not looking at them spiritually. Uh, Two things, um, so people get lost and get lonely in churches because um, there's not the fellowship, because people just go with their cliques and who they know and who they're friends with. Uh, And secondly, uh, regarding dealing with someone that's got uh, past hurts, there's two main differences. There are the people that want to be healed, and there are the people that use it as a perpetual being a victim. And, of course, the people that are perpetual victims need perhaps a rebuke, whereas the other people like that lady, they need the healing because they actually want it.
2: Mm. Well, Tracy, great to hear your thoughts and uh, appreciate your insights because uh, I guess people who are part of churches listening into our conversation, uh, it leads us all to uh, make a self-assessment and say, well, Mm -hmm. is my church like that too? Uh, Do we meet the needs of people? Are we... Are we really there just uh, to put band-aids on people rather than really get into those hurts? And I'm, I'm appreciative of those thoughts on fellowship too. Tracy from Adelaide, thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Let's take some more calls. Marion is in WA. Hello, Marion. Hi. hi. Marion, we'll need to be very quick. What's okay. your contribution? I,
4: um, I, I, my my point is that Jesus can hear you everywhere you hurt, anywhere you hurt. And I went to a combined Christian uh, rally called Perth for Jesus at the Challenge Stadium on the weekend, and I have I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis 13 years ago. I was prayed for. Um, I've been using a walker for two years. I'm, I walked across the stage without the walker. Mm. Wow! And wow. and I believe that the Lord is strengthening me, and I was I'm just so grateful, and I give praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ.
2: Well, it's wonderful to hear your story, Marion, and uh, congratulations. And uh, there's certainly a powerful thing when we lay hands on the sick and when we see those wonderful recoveries, and your testimony is just fabulous to hear.
4: The young boy in front of me was 10 years old. He was healed of a blind eye.
2: His, wow. His
4: one eye was blind, and he received his sight. And the beautiful fact of the evening was that there were Christians from all over perth different denominations uh, together and caring for people in our community that need this message
2: marion wonderful to hear from you thank you so much for contributing today here on 2020 and if i ask you uh, sam when it comes to uh, issues of of uh, churches expecting that jesus is going to heal people miracles uh, those sorts of things is this an area too that perhaps there's an adaption because there are needs in society that need to be healed are we are we addressing those
0: exactly right uh, Neil um, hospitals are very important um, medical care is very important but uh, that sense that God is interested in me that God can miraculously touch me transform my life to see prayers answered that's got to be central to what churches are about
2: Okay, we are able to take one more call. Let's hear from Velma. Hello, Velma. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Roma. From Roma in Queensland. Yes. Velma, you'll need to be very, very quick. Yes. What's What's your contribution, Velma?
4: Um, I was listening to... Well, I've been listening to the wireless for a while now, a few years, and um, I just uh, listened to them last two ladies with, um, talking over the wireless. Yep. And, um, like, I feel that too, like, if when you walk into a church, like, I don't know, they just sort of don't want to talk and, like, you shouldn't be there or I don't know.
2: Well, friendliness has got to be one of those things that's got to be the hallmark of, uh, of a church that meets people's needs. Uh, friendliness, you might think, a smile and uh, perhaps someone remembering your name might be th- something you might like to uh, to look forward to when you go along to church.
4: Yes, well, I've been looking forward to going along to church, but I just felt uncomfortable in them, in the churches.
2: Yep. Well, I guess you've got to get back to what you've got to do is uh, talk about your uh, your uh, whole reason for going and uh, go there to worship God, uh, to participate in those uh, spiritual things, that communion service that your church is likely to have, uh, some of the fellowship gatherings that encourage friendships and uh, yeah. try not to be too hard on everyone but uh, look for every every area you can to break the ice and uh, perhaps make a friend in church because I suspect that other people who are a part of your church even though they're not smiling and being friendly with you they are also feeling a little lonely and uh, they're interested in your outreach as well I'll have to say goodbye but uh, thank you very much for your uh, input today Velma in Roma in Queensland really appreciate that time running short um, if we were talking about... Uh, The overall biggest thing to look forward to, Sam, we're just about a minute away. I guess what we've been saying is we need to not be selfish, we need to be selfless. Uh, We need to have a focus on education because education is one of those keys to influencing the future. And uh, you've been big on, on that particular issue of education and you continue to be. I'm excited about the prospects of what will come from the institution that you're working with. And that's Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, and you say nearly a thousand students who are who are operating in a tertiary level there and uh, and uh, they'll be an influence on society in all of those different uh, areas of the faculties that uh, that you're. Uh, College is working in. Sam Hay, Australia's expert on mega churches. It's been just a blessing uh, having your insights today, and thank you so much for being with us on
0: Twenty Twenty. Thanks, Neil. It's been a pleasure being with you again. The
1: Bible, sixty-six books, forty authors. Dr. Chuck Missler will help you understand how it fits together and how it relates